Blog Talk Radio. Stephen B. Easy Media Production is a part of the Shoutcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler, from the state of North Carolina, with my co-host, Glenn McMillian, from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers, from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder, from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington, from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips, from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman, from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson, from the state of of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we're grateful that you're tuned into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ who asked you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508 or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the live show there You'll find over 1,700 live shows on Blog Talk Radio at this hour. And I just looked at the website, and you will consistently find this show on pages 1 through 4 of that website. We are on page 2 on that website tonight. You will see the picture, the logo for this radio show. It's the biggest picture on the page. Praise the Lord. So God is good. He's certainly blessing this radio show. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, you can send your emails to my new email address, Butler Steve. 1009 at yahoo.com or you can call Stevie B's Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now folks, get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be my co-host on the show this evening, Dr. Frank Washington and Courtney Carruthers, as they break into our listeners the bread of life. 
And also my co-host, Steve Cotto, you'll be answering the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that you will bless their families that support their efforts. So they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners this evening who are tuning in via Blog Talk Radio, as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do? To be saved. Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For us in Christ's name, we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast. Our speakers for the show this evening in the first segment, my co-host will be Dr. Frank Washington. He serves with the West Broward Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, my co-host, Steve Cordell, he serves as the evangelist for the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. I have a question from my shout-out platform on social media, Facebook, that I'll be posing to him. And to close out the show, my co-host, Courtney Carruthers, he serves as the evangelist with the Colonial Park, uh, Colonial Village Church of Christ there in Chicago, Illinois. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds, and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice should be that of my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Come on and spin the line. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co host, Dr. Frank Washington, and his subject, The Christmas Story. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for uh, giving me your time and giving this program your time uh, to listen to another portion of God's infallible word. Did you know that when it comes to the biblical account of the Christmas story, it covers almost about three years of time? It begins with the miraculous conception with Mary and concludes with Herod attempting to kill Jesus by having all the male babies that were two years old and younger executed. You know the story. But within that story, you have uh, different people. You have animals, you have objects and things that God uses to tell the Christmas story. Now, if you have a nativity set in your house, you know, like our family does, it only includes a small part of the story. But when you actually look at the cast of characters in the biblical narrative or in the biblical Christmas story, you have... Mary and Joseph, the baby Jesus, the angel Gabriel, and a host of angels, the shepherds, the magi, and you have uh, the stable. Now, that's the group that makes up the nativity scene. But the story also includes the star. It includes a donkey. It includes Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, and her husband, Zachariah. It includes an innkeeper baby John the Baptist, and it includes Herod the king. And you also have places that play a role, like Jerusalem and like the city of Bethlehem, uh, which is called the city of bread. But each one of those people, places, things, incidents, all those things represent and teach something important about 
the Christmas story. Tom, I want you to pay attention to this. For the next couple of uh, lessons, if we get the opportunity, I want to focus on a couple of people and events that are often overlooked in the Christmas story. So if you have your Bible, let's take a look at Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 39 through 45. Uh, And if you have it, just say amen, be interactive, and here we go. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. That ends the reading. But what do we learn from this? Well, I want you to see four important things about God in this story. Number one. God compels. God compels. Now, the first thing we see is God compels. Another word for that is constrain or to force or oblige. But when you recognize that God has done something significant in your life and my life, it causes us to become focused, and it puts a drive into our life. So it, it, this is what happened to Mary. Mary, remember, had just been told by the angel Gabriel that she would become uh, miraculously pregnant as a virgin. Uh, she will give birth to a son who will be called Jesus uh, and the son of the Most High, and he will reign and his kingdom uh, will never end. That's Luke chapter 1, verse 29-33. But she believes everything now. The angel told her, and as a result of all that, we're told in verse 39, and I quote, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. Now, watch this. Sometimes you need to be in a hurry when it comes to the things of God. Yes, we need to be in a hurry. Mary's going, uh, is going there to spend some time with her cousin, Elizabeth. Mary is excited and believes Elizabeth will understand her and believe in what she's saying because Elizabeth is a very spiritual woman who believes in God uh, in God greatly. But I want, what I want you to track tonight from this uh, point is that when Mary heard God's message and believed God's message, It compelled her, it forced her to get moving with what she heard. It produced a chain reaction that didn't involve procrastination and hesitation. A lot of us still have that procrastination and hesitation as Christians today. We, you know, we want to second guess it or overthink it. But did you know this is how faith works? When you receive and when you uh, receive God's word, you believe it. And then you do something with it, or it causes you to do something. You just don't sit on the word of God. 
so friends, faith in God's word produces uh, the Thessalonian believers in Thessalonians 1. He says, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor uh, prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you say you believe God's word, then there should be some evidence of obedience to it and evidence of you being compelled and driven to do some things that are related to what God has said to you and to me. So God compels you and me, my friend. He drives us and he motivates us through his word. But not only uh, does God compel, God encourages. And that word encourages is a word that means to inspire with courage uh, or confidence. But another thing we see in this, uh, in, in God encouraging us, is Dr. Luke tells us in verse 40 that Mary entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Now, here's something interesting you probably didn't know, uh, but I'm going to tell you anyway. When we read that we are filtered the greeting through our culture, uh, when you think of someone greeting someone, you think of a handshake, you think of a hug, you think of a kiss on each cheek or a statement like, hey, welcome to my home, or it's good to see you, come on in, how things. But the phrase entered the house and greeted doesn't mean that. It means a whole lot more. There's a lot more meaning to that simple phrase because you have to take it into the context of which it was written. So in New Testament times, to say the two people greeted one another meant they caught up on their personal lives with one another. So it goes something like this. Mary comes in, uh, puts her things away, and the two women start to talk and greet one another. Elizabeth begins to tell Mary about what God has done in her life, and Mary tells Elizabeth what God has done in her life. Then Elizabeth tells Mary uh, that Zachariah, her husband, was in the temple one day when an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him uh, his wife would become pregnant. But then Zachariah and Elizabeth were older adults by this time, and the days of getting pregnant were well over. But for her to get pregnant would be a miracle, but she did get pregnant. But she went on to tell Mary how the angel said that they uh, were to call her boy and he would be great in the eyes of the Lord. Then she told Mary how the angel said that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and God would use him to turn many people uh, to God. Then uh, she said something odd about her husband. You all know, I hope you know the story. She said, Elizabeth told Mary that because Zachariah didn't initially believe that the angel was, uh, what the angel was saying, uh, she, the angel removed Zachariah's speech and hearing from him. And he wouldn't be able to talk until the son was born. And he, he hadn't spoken a word since Luke 1, uh, verse 5 through 25. And this would have been all part of their greeting one another. That's a greeting. But then Mary, it's her time now. Mary begins to tell Elizabeth her story. Mary tells Elizabeth that the angel Gabriel appeared to her. She says the angel told her that, uh, she would conceive, even though she was a virgin, and give birth to a son, 
that she would name him Jesus. He would be called the son of the most high God. He would receive the throne of his ancestor, David. She then tells Elizabeth that she asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. She said, uh, she explained that the angel told her that the Holy Spirit would do a miracle within her. And this baby would also be known as Jesus, the son of God. Then she says something. Then the angel mentioned you and tells me that you had become pregnant in your age and that you were already pregnant. And the last thing the angel says to me is nothing is impossible with God. And we should all remember that phrase that the angel said, and that is that there is nothing impossible with God. Now, all this and more would have been included in the greeting. That's before they probably even sat down. But God was doing something, friends, in Mary's life, and God was doing something in Elizabeth's life. What was God doing in each of their lives was connected. They needed each other. They needed to hear what God was doing in each other's lives. Do you have a friend like that? Do you have a friend that uh, you want to know what's going on in their lives and that you are connected to one another as they shared their stories and as they believed their stories, God was encouraging them through each other because no one was going to believe them at first. Nobody's going to believe them, believe their stories, but the same is true for you and I, what God is doing in our lives, what in your life and in my life and what he's doing in, in, in our lives and other lives is more connected than any of us can realize. God is doing something in your life right now, and God is doing something in the life of someone else right now that you haven't even met yet, but your paths are going to cross, and you're going to need each other. And that's how God works. It's a wonderful way he, he does this. That's one way how God encourages his people. But not only does God compel and God encourages, but God also fills. Somewhere in their greeting of one another and telling their stories, something really awkward happened. As Mary was talking about the angel and about Jesus Luke tells us in verse 41, at the sound of Mary's greeting, at the sound of her voice, Elizabeth's child, John, leaped within her, got that, you know, that kick, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't know uh, how much Elizabeth understood what was happening uh, with little baby John in the womb, but we are told that John leaped within her and that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the phrase filled with the Holy Spirit is the biblical expression describing the power of the Holy Spirit, taking control and effecting service uh, to God by word or action. And so throughout the Bible, you'll find over and over again where someone is filled with the, uh, with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and then delivering a message from God, you know, Second Samuel 23 and 2. You go there, check it out. Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, uh, 2 Peter 1, 21. Here, that's where uh, the Holy Spirit is seen uh, taking control of someone's life. But Elizabeth 
being filled with the Holy Spirit is about to deliver a message from God and listen to it. They will be in their own words, in her own words, but they are from God. So in the study, we come to a question. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? To be filled with the Spirit, again, means you are under control or influence of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18 and Galatians 5.19 through 21. But listen carefully. When you are filled with the Spirit, brothers and sisters, it does not matter how bad, how horrible, how dark uh, a situation is. You will, or shall I say, you should say and do things that are that are influenced by the Holy Spirit. That is, if you're filled or full of the Holy Spirit, you will produce things like joy, love, peace, patience, okay, and kindness. So you will speak words of wisdom and insight based on God's word based on God's truth. And this is what Elizabeth is about to do. She's about to speak wisdom and truth. Okay? So now I want you to interact with me here a little bit. What we have seen so far, what have you seen or what have you heard so far? Number one, God does what? Yes, God compels you. Next, God does what? God encourages you. And then number three, God fills you. Very good. Glad you, can, glad you interacted with me on that. But finally, God speaks. According to verse uh, 42, I believe, yeah, 42, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Elizabeth literally shouted out the message that God gave her. And what followed that message were statements of praise. Now, I don't have time to unpack all that, everything she said, but let me bring your attention to a few things. I want you to see blessings, honor, and faith. But keep in mind, keep in mind, this act, these act, these things that are going on is a supernatural event. And if you try, but if you try to approach this event logically rather than supernaturally, it's not going to make any sense to you. So here are just a few things I want you to see. One. When God speaks, God blesses. When God speaks, God blesses. Remember, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit when she says things to Mary. Uh, one of the things Elizabeth says to Mary is, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Now, this does not mean Mary is the greatest woman of all time, uh, but that she is blessed more than any woman who will ever live because she will carry and give birth to our and master, son of God, Jesus the Christ. She's been blessed with an incredible, an incredible privilege. But listen carefully. Mary needs to hear this because this, and she needs to receive this because at this point, she is not told Joseph 
her fiance. Mary has not said anything to Joseph about this. So what's happened is it's going to be quite interesting. She hasn't said anything to Joseph, her her, her fiance, her betrothed, and that's basically what it was. Uh, what was happened or what has happened, and it's going to be another three months before she tells him what's happening. And when she does, Joseph's not going to believe her, and you know it's going to make a decision. He's going to make a decision to leave her. But at that moment, Mary's not going to feel blessed. What God tells you on the mountaintop, my friend, you need to remember in the valley. Let me repeat. What God tells you at the mountaintop, when you're at the peak of whatever it is that you're involved in, you need to remember what he told you at the mountaintop, you need to remember in the valley. Amen? Next, number two, when God speaks, he reveals. Now, through Elizabeth's declaration, God revealed to Elizabeth uh, that Jesus was her Lord. In verse 43, Elizabeth said, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Remember, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit while she's saying this. So this event reveals two things about Elizabeth. One, she's humble and Jesus is her Lord. And by way of this, she sees more, she understands more, and believes more than what the physical eye can see. Basically, when God speaks, he reveals. Number three, when God speaks, he, God, brings joy. When God speaks, God brings joy. Elizabeth says to Mary, verse number 44, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Now, What's going on here? According to Luke 1 and verse 15, John will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Now, many see verse 44 where John, while still in his mother's womb, jumped for joy as the time when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But remember, this is a supernatural encounter between Elizabeth, who is six months pregnant, and with John, six months pregnant with John, and Mary, who's a few days pregnant. With Jesus, the Son of God. So, even though John is still in the womb, here is where me, I personally want to be more like John. And you should also. I want to be able to hear what God has done and is doing and jump for joy about it. Amen? I want the things of God to be exciting to me. I want the works the deeds, the actions of God to thrill me through and through. I want to have a high interest, a high octane interest in what God is up to. And I want to be involved in what God is doing. So when God speaks to me, I want to respond with joy. Number four, when God speaks, God blesses. When God speaks, God blesses. Now, when God speaks, he reveals. When God speaks, he brings joy. And when God speaks, he acts. God's not only a God of words, but a God of action. Elizabeth goes on to say in verse number 45, you are blessed. She's talking to Mary. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. 
Now, the reason Mary's blessed and fortunate because she believed God would do what he told her. Mary had faith in what God told her. Mary believed God's promise because she believed she was blessed. Now, let me ask you the question. Do you have faith in what God tells you? Do you believe God's promises? Then, believers, beloved, you are blessed. Listen, beloved, that's how it works. God gives you his word. God gives you his message. God gives you his promises. You believe it. And what this does, it causes you to obey it. And this produces blessings. So when you take God's word and you mix it with faith and obedience, it always produces blessings. You can never go wrong when you have faith, obedience, it produces blessings. Because when God speaks, he acts. Amen? Here's your homework. Four questions I want you to think about this week. One, what is God compelling you to do? Has God done something? Has God done something in your life this week or this month or this year that puts a drive in you? If that's compelling you to do something. Next, how is God encouraging you, and how is He encouraging others through you? Next. Is God feeling and controlling your life? Finally, think about what has God told you that brings you great joy? Now, if you missed the question, let me ask, let me ask them again. This is what you need to think about for this week. What is God compelling you to do? How is God encouraging you? And how is he encouraging others through you? Is God feeling and controlling your life? And finally, What has God told you that brings you great joy? Uh, Beloved, I hope this Christmas lesson brings the Christmas story closer to you and you know the real story. Thank you so much for listening. Stay in God's grip. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
you see the grace of God is all I need Now I am where I want to be He set me free, I'm free indeed I am free and so you see the grace of God is all I need Now I am where I want to be He set me free, now I am free at last You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out. They want to pose it to my co-host, and we also want to encourage our listeners to join that group on Facebook and get involved in those biblical discussions. Now, my co-host is Steve Cordo, and this is the question that we have for Steve on the broadcast. It is It comes from an anonymous query from the state of Mississippi, and the question is, do we have to have a name on our church building? Steve, what say you to this question? Good evening, and thank you for having me on the show, uh, Stevie. And welcome to everybody in the audience on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And if you have any questions uh, about a Bible text or a topic, send it to us, and we'll be glad to answer it for you. And uh, this evening's question, as Stevie said, comes to us from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, do we have to have a name on our church buildings? It's a good question. And this comes up uh, many times among the, uh, especially among our fellowship in the Churches of Christ. We do discuss this a lot, especially with new converts, why we wear the name of Christ and why we don't wear several denominational names. And here's the answer. The short answer to the question is no. Biblically speaking, there is no exclusive name given to the church. Uh, so we don't have to have any particular name on our buildings. And if you want to carry it a little further, there is uh, nothing in the New Testament about church buildings. But uh, let's dig a little deeper. Let's explore this idea a little bit more and look at the idea of the name, because there are actually several names we see in the New Testament that the uh, church is called by. In Acts chapter 1, for instance, we're told that Saul, uh, who eventually became the Apostle Paul, was consenting to Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. So they just finished stoning Stephen, and notice that this is called the church. And now I use the New King James Version to study and to uh, teach from, and 62 times in the New King James Version, the phrase, the church, appears. And that's it. That's just what it's called. There were no divisions or denominations at that time. So if you said the church, people knew what you were talking about. And then in Acts chapter 9, Saul, and now he's getting ready to become Paul, basically. He's getting ready to go on the road to Damascus 
And he's still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So five times the church is referred to as the way. This one here in Acts chapter 9, and then twice in Acts chapter 19, and twice in Acts chapter 24. And then in Romans 16, 16, the churches of Christ salute you, or the churches of Christ greet you. This is the only time you see churches of Christ. Church of Christ, uh, singular, you don't see that phrase anywhere in the New Testament, at least not in the, in the uh, New King James Version. And then Paul, in writing to the Galatians, referred to us as the household of faith. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, he's going to say, Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So there are two more designations for the church. And then church of God, we find eight times. Once in Acts chapter 20, three times in 1 Corinthians, once in 2 Corinthians, once in Galatians, once in 1 Timothy. And then the body of Christ. Now this one appears 15 times. This is the one that is used more times than any other designation. And again, this is in the New King James Version. One time in Romans chapter 12, uh, four times in 1 Corinthians, uh, one Six times, uh, about eight times actually in Ephesians. It's used once each in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, and then three times in Ephesians 4, and then twice in Ephesians 5. And then Colossians, that's uh, used three times. The phrase body of Christ is used. And then four times, all in the book of Revelation, we are called the bride of Christ. And then we are the flock. Now remember, Jesus is the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. He is, uh, or uh, Acts chapter 20, Paul used the term flock twice when uh, his last meeting with the Ephesian elders. Twice in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 were called the flock, and then twice in 1 Peter chapter 5. So those are at least, uh, I think, uh, eight names. And I'm going to give a couple here that are what I call honorable mention. Assembly of God. Now in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, we see reference to the general assembly. Uh, but we are of God's people, so assembly of God. There is a denomination that calls themselves that. And then Jesus was from Nazarene, so church of the Nazarene. We don't see either one of these per se in the New Testament, but I personally don't have a problem with uh, using them because they are descriptive of us being of God or, or of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, remember, being from Nazareth, so I, I don't have a problem since he is the Nazarene uh, that we are following. So that's at least eight different names we see used. Uh, in the New Testament to speak of the church. Now, there's a couple of other things to keep in mind about these names. Number one is none of them are named after people. You don't see Lutheran or Wesleyan, and I believe they're close to the Methodist denomination because Wesley, uh, John and Charles Wesley, uh, founded that church. Uh, you see in 1 Corinthians, the first four chapters, Paul is really condemning division. And he had heard from somebody named Chloe that there was division in Corinth. Some said, oh, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter, I'm of this person or that person. And Paul uh, takes them to task over that. Uh, another is you don't see them named after saints. You don't see St. Stephen's Church or St. Paul's or St. This or St. That. 
nor do you see them named after a doctrine such as Baptist or Charismatic or anything like that. You don't see them named after a doctrine. And along the same lines, you don't see them named after uh, 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 nations. You don't see them named after uh, the Greek Orthodox or the Russian Orthodox or the Armenian Orthodox or any of these Orthodox. You don't see them named after geographic countries. Nor do you see them named after church offices. You don't see anyone in the New Testament designated the Episcopal Church or Presbyterian uh, or Apostolic. You see some churches around here uh, with the name Apostolic attached to them. Uh, you don't see that in the New Testament. See, all the names used in the New Testament for the church somehow tie back to God or to Jesus. They're not for people. They're not for countries or anything like that. And so the Bible does not specifically have a name to put on the church, but if we are Christians, the name we wear should somehow reflect that fact. So that um, uh, just like when, a, when a, um, a woman marries, traditionally she'll take her husband's name. Now, some women uh, in the modern age have kept their maiden name. I know some women that have done that. I've got some relatives that have done that. But what I have never seen is a woman take another man's name. So I've never seen a woman, you know, she gets married and says, well, no, tells her husband, I'm not going to take your name. I'm going to take the best man's name or some other groomsman's name or, or this guy over here, uh, John Smith. I'm going to take his name. We don't see that. So as a Christian, I sh my name should reflect who it is that I'm fellowshipping with, who it is that I'm following. I'm following Jesus. Now, sometimes uh, we were called Campbellites uh, as, a, as an insult. You know, I don't follow Alexander Campbell. I don't have any of his books in my library, and except for brief quotes here and there. I've never read any of his writings, don't intend to, because I am not a follower of Campbell. I am a follower of Christ, and I don't want anybody following me. Well, hey, I might be lost too. You don't know. Uh, because I am human, I can make mistakes. I will never intentionally teach a false doctrine or to lead anybody astray, but you don't know. Honest mistakes do happen. So whatever I say, whatever you hear me preach, even this lesson here, you know, look and see if it's uh, biblically based. Study it for yourself. So why then should we even have a name getting back on track if the Bible doesn't give us a specific name? Good question. We have to have names, uh, or we need names many times for several reasons. Number one, since about the 4th century, churches have owned property. They go buy a piece of land, they put a building on it. So that means we have to go down to the bank and get a loan. Okay, so what are we going to put on the paperwork? Uh, they're not going to want to put my name on it, and I'm not going to want to be liable for this uh, half a million, million, two million dollar loan, or whatever it is we're taking out. We put a corporate entity on it. Uh, and then uh, speaking of banks, uh, banks typically have a bank account where they deposit their uh, weekly contribution. Got to have a name on that and on those checks or the debit cards or whatever you're using. And then uh, once we buy the property, we build the building. Well, it, you know, where I live, we get some pretty cold winters, so we'd like to have it heated in the winter. And then our summers get hot, so we'd like to have it cooled. And I use PowerPoint, and we got lights in there that need electricity. We need water for the restroom. So what, how, what names are we going to put on those accounts? Well, we use the, the, the name of the corporate entity, the Church of Christ. Uh, and then that means we've got to have it insured. The bank's not going to loan us money unless we have it insured in case there's a loss. And so we've got to put a name on it. And then there might be other legal reasons. Uh, some churches, California and Florida, uh, excuse me, some states, California and Florida, I know are two of them, require there to be on filed with the Secretary of State because we are a corporate body, uh, either Articles of Incorporation or 
uh, a list of trustees, uh, a corporate uh, body like a president, vice president, secretary, that kind of thing. Typically, if a church has elders and they're and they're going down that road, they will have the elders fill those roles. If they don't have elders, they'll designate uh, people, usually men, to um, take those roles. And I have known some that have had women do it. Another discussion for another time. And then uh, we, uh, most churches have got websites. So what name are you going to put on the website? And then uh, before websites, so we had phone books. We had yellow pages. And we had to have a phone number that went with that. So we had to uh, put a name with that. And then um, probably for our geographic designation, uh, there's the, especially in large cities where you may have more than one congregation. You got a north side church, a south side, a fifth avenue, a, an east park, a, an east side, a, a, an eastern avenue or boulevard. You've got different uh, names there, different designations. So we need to have names uh, for that. So we choose a biblical name, Church of Christ. Now, here's the, what I consider to be the bottom line. I personally wouldn't worry so much about the name that is on the sign out front or what name is on the side of the building or on the website. My concern is going to be what's being taught inside that facility. A church can have a perfectly scriptural name, but the doctrine inside and the practices inside are not scriptural. Uh, we've got churches around this area that have Church of Christ on their sign, but they're, uh, they have instrumental music. There's some of them that have worship teams and drama teams and they have bands playing uh, as part of the worship, and I've got air quotes if you're on the radio and can't see, bands for their worship. So I would go inside and see what they're being taught, ask lots of questions uh, of them and of their leadership before I decided to place my membership or work with them as the preacher or anything like that. So do we have to have a name on our church building? Again, the short answer is no, but consider the points that we brought up here. Uh, in the lesson tonight, and that is my lesson. Thank you for having me, Stevie, and we're coming up on the end of the year, so I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Thank you for uh, 2022 allowing me to be on the show, and I look forward to being back with you in 2023. Everybody have a great holiday. That's my lesson. Thank you for having me. Have a great holiday. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
Love 
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific need. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. This is a program reminder. Stevie B's Media Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. The telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508 and the website is www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show or you can just type in your browser blog talk radio that'll bring you to the website and on tuesday evening i'm hosting a live show for the word of the lord radio show and this show will air every second and fourth tuesday of the month the second Tuesday of the month, we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who will be making their proclamation of the gospel of Christ. Also, during that show, we have the Community Corner segment for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our communities. And also, I have three co-hosts on that show. Lou Gibber, he serves as the evangelist for the Oak Brook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And my co-host, Isom Nolan, he serves with the Church of Christ there in Cary, North Carolina. And my co-host on the fourth Tuesday of the month, the show will air from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 to 8, 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. My co-host is Kelly Fletcher from the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. She has the Kelly Fletcher Show. And then on Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'm hosting the live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And I have seven co-hosts on this show who will be making their proclamation of the Gospel of Christ. Each week I have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. I'm also taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook that I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on that live show. And then on Friday, I, I'm hosting the live show, Stevie B Acapella Gospel Music Blast, which is the 2022 recipient for the Nakama National Academy of Christian Acapella Music Artists Award for Outstanding Achievement for Record or Radio. And that show will air from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. And on this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices. We're also interviewing artists, producers, comedians, etc. And we're also debuting new music and featuring old music on this broadcast as well. Every third Friday of the month, I have my Top 20 Countdown show. And we also have on-demand episodes. There are a variety of 
of musical platforms that you can listen to these shows on. Some of the main ones I always like to announce, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, YouTube, just to name a few. And I also have recorded versions. Now, these are shows where I debuted albums mostly, so the same playlist was used from the live show here on Blog Talk Radio. And these shows can be heard on iHeartRadio, Deezer, and also on Amazon Music. Just search for Stevie B recorded version shows. We want to thank all of our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you, have, if you want to become a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4705. The three E's of Stevie B Media Production, it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in our study of God's Word. And that will continue our program announcements. You're listening to the Gospel Live Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host Courtney Carruthers is running a little late right now. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to play some music until he actually comes and ready for his uh, segment of the broadcast. So stay tuned for the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. When the grave robber
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Oh, Jesus, you gave a water, you know, my Jesus gave a water. Oh, Jesus gave water, and it was not from the well. Oh, Jesus gave water, you know, my Jesus gave water. Oh, Jesus gave water, and it was not. From the well, where there was a woman from Samaria, came to the well to get some water. But there met a stranger, and he did her story tell. He left my Savior singing, she came back to him bringing the time he had water. The Lord ran was not. From the well, oh, Jesus gave water. You know my Jesus gave water. Oh, Jesus gave water. And it was not from the well. Well, on that woman, she had pity. She ran back to the city. Crying glory, hallelujah. I'm going to let it praise its way. Every time she doubted him, she stopped to think about him. The man. Gave a water, Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co-host, Courtney Carruthers, and his subject, I'm not going back. Thank you, and good evening to everyone. Appreciate uh, the prayers and the patience and speakers that have gone before. Our lesson today is out of Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. The subject is I'm not going back. It's a good lesson, and what I mean by that, it, 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 it contextually and the background information and the application will help us understand what God's will is for our lives today. And so if you have your Bibles or if you have, don't have a Bible, I'll read the scripture for us, and um, you can take notes, and we trust and pray you'll leave saying that I was glad that I was able to hear the message of God and that it will strengthen you and you're strengthening you in your faith, give you security in your walk, that we are doing things well-pleasing unto God. So therefore, the Bible says these words, Stand therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Uh, for I testify again by every um, to every man that being second that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth much anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Uh, this persuasion coming not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but, the, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment for whosoever he is, uh, he be. And I, brethren, if I yet uh, preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Uh, then is the offense of the cross uh, be ceased. I would they were then cut off, which troubleth you. I want to begin by saying that on the subject, I'm not going back. All of us have something going on that is better for us in our life than what we have ever uh, had before or even could imagine. Uh, And whatever it may be, we have concluded through an estimated value system, which motivates us to say, I'm not going back to where I came. We estimate through a value system that is called mental assertiveness, mental assertiveness. 
according to Philippians 3, 8 through 13, Paul realizes that all he had accomplished in the Jewish religious system would never give him the mental measurement of perfection that would clear him of sinful gifts when compared to Jesus Christ. It is not that what we do outwardly that makes us righteous, but it is how we evaluate ourselves in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And from the evaluation, we explore all the opportunities afforded to us to be like Jesus mentally, according to Philippians 2, 4 through 11. Then not only mental acceptance, there's optimistic association. Galatians 2, 11 through 21, to feel better about ourselves does not mean excluding ourselves from everyone or everyone who people may call righteous or unrighteous in order to appear righteous. However, righteousness with God is not predicated as to what we consider righteous. For righteousness with God is based upon us being honest with God as to why we do what we do and allowing God to talk uh, to talk with our spirit as to whether or not our relationship with certain people is good or bad. Not only mental assertiveness, optimistic association, but victorious accomplishment. According to Galatians chapter 1, 11 through 24, Paul realizes that it's not by works that, it, that saved him, but what saved him is the certified gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of the certified gospel, he is assured and assuring everyone else that if they stay fastened in the safety belt of salvation, then whenever the vehicle of false doctrine collides into their faith, that they can rest in their salvation, that they have the victory through Jesus Christ. Everyone accepting, then not only the, the mental acceptiveness, the optimistic association, and the victorious accomplishment, but everyone accepted. Galatians chapter 3, 22 to 29, what Paul is declaring for us is that everyone who accepts Jesus by faith into the watery grave of baptism belongs to him and also the fellowship of New Testament believers. No one can claim that they are of the faith of Jesus if they have responded, if they have not responded to what the faith of God tells us to respond to. And what we are told to respond to for salvation is water baptism. From water baptism, we can say that with confidence that we belong to the body of Christ with other members of the body of Christ that have obeyed Jesus' plan of salvation, which is granted to all who have been baptized in the, into his uh, into the water grave baptism. The purpose of Galatians 5, then, is to encourage the saints of God to engage the Christians of Galatia, to estimate the value system of law in liberty, the value system of law in liberty which birth either circumcision or ritual disappointment or circumcision or righteousness deliverance. We are able to notice this train of thought by understanding several things which are as follows. The word of Paul in Galatians 5.1 states, stand fast, stand fast. In order not to go back to something that is not worthy uh, or worthy to be compared to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are instructed to stand fast. Paul uses the word to motivate them to commitment. For the word means, in application, stand firm in the faith and in duty. In application, it means, one, stand firm in faith, 
and two, stand firm in your duty. Faith is how we respond in obeying the gospel message, which we do, which is is which is do is what we do by what we understand to be gospel preaching, and gospel preaching in relation of, to spiritual salvation is that there is only one gospel message according to Galatians chapter one verse six to nine. There is only one gospel message. Paul says it this way: I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you and to the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will, perver- and will pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received or preached, then what we have preached, Unto you, let him be a cut. As we said before, and do so, so say I now. Again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be a curse. According to Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Now look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. Galatians chapter 3. And the verses 8, Paul says these words, Galatians 3 and verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that Christ, that God would justify the brethren, the heathen, through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, and these shall all nations be blessed. Look at verses 25 to 28. The Apostle Paul says these words, But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, but ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. All right, now when we look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, it is signifying this, that... Um, through faith, that is, our reliance on God's word, will compel us through understanding that what we hold to to be, what we hold to now cannot compare to what is evident in the scriptures. Some, the Jews were holding on to circumcision, ritual laws, outward appearance, but yet the inward part, the heart was not right with God. So God begins to show them through the gospel of Jesus, which through the gospel of Jesus, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, one will receive the gift, which is the Holy Spirit, the gift, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then will become the guide, will become the guide to the conscience, on how to please God by faith. We keep relying on Jesus. So we talk about the faith. The faith is a definite article that signifies what God desires. Faith in the faith is our requirement to what God, is, is our reliance or our response to what God requires. God requires that a man be saved through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ commanded 
Jesus Christ commission, Jesus Christ command, and Jesus Christ cleanse through baptism. Jesus Christ commissioned that his disciples, his apostles, go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Now, he commands that one be baptized according to Acts chapter 10. And then one is considered cleansed through baptism. 1 Peter 3.21, the light figure went to baptism does also now save us, not to put away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. All right? When we look at the word baptism or or the word now, the word now is an imperative clause that baptism takes care of our sins now. We notice this in Acts chapter 22, 17, 16, 17, where Paul says, And now why tarriest thou? Arise. Why now are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized. For 2 Corinthians 6, 2, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Then Peter, Peter concludes it this way. First Peter 3.21, the life figure went to baptism does also now save us. So what's the whole point here? Well, that when we talk about the standing firm in our faith, we have to stand firm in the gospel. That's why Paul, that's what Paul talks about in First Corinthians 15.1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preach unto you, that it is able to save us from sin. And to save us from sin, then, we must obey the gospel by doing our part. So let's look at the aspect of the duty. The duty of our faith is expressed in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, and Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 15. Let me read unto you in your hearing, Galatians 5, 6. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth much, anything nor uncircumcision, uh, but faith which is worketh by love. Now, when we look to qualify love, verse 13 to 15 says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion in the flesh, but by love serve one another. Verse 14 reads, For all the law is fulfilled in the word, in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Therefore, the word therefore in Galatians uh, chapter 5, their uh, meaning or standing fast, I will not go back to a counter, which means I will not go back to a counterfeit Christianity, a deceitful doctrine, um, a fake faith that brings about a substitutional salvation, which comes from a substitutional scripture whose author is Satan, with the motive to give us a troubling trust that will drive us in the direction towards darkness. So as we stand fast in the faith, we must not go back to pleasing people to be somebody within a body just to be accepted by everybody, for you and I don't know anybody who will die for everybody but Jesus Christ. For Paul has said it in Acts 20, 28, but that Jesus purchased the church with his blood. All right? The scriptures concerning circumcision are, are Genesis, is Genesis 17, 11 through 14, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, and Colossians 1, 9 through 15. Number two, 
I will not go back to a lost cause because we have a loving Christ in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1c. When the believers of Galatians trusted Christ, they lost the yoke of servitude to sin and put on the yoke of Christ, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Now, I like Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 because it paints a picture of this, that the people, when the Bible talks about they were weary, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and the, uh, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Um, take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly, and then you shall find rest unto your soul. Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty is talking in reference to people who are in search of true salvation, and they are bowed down, they are aggravated to the point of giving up, and they are wanting to know what can they do, who do they have, what what words can they rely on that will give them rest in their trust in God. Well, Jesus says, come unto me. It is an invitation to those who are truly concerned about giving themselves to Christ apart from man-made religion, apart from man-made scriptures, apart from do, do this or you go to hell. They need a Savior, which is Jesus Christ, to, couple, to be coupled with them and to give them relaxation in their faith that if they obey his word, they will make heaven their home. Galatians, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Not only is Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 an, an invitation, but it's an inspiration. He says, take my yoke upon you, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. That is, you don't have to look anywhere else outside of Christ to have salvation. But to have salvation, one must get in Christ. And to get in Christ, one must be buried in water baptism, one must come out of water baptism, and they will be placed in the body, which is the church of Christ. All right? Therefore, the yoke of religion is hard, and the burden heavy. Christ's yoke is easy, and his burden is light. The word easy means kind, kind. The word kind from the original language means example. It is an example of gracious. Extra effort, that is, whatever you're lacking in doing, whatever you're lacking in understanding, Jesus will kindly, by his example of life, by his example of love, by his example of liberty, his gracious acts, uh, his gracious, act, his gracious uh, uh, affiliation, his gracious atonement will go the extra effort on our behalf. That's why he says in Matthew chapter uh, 10, verse 32, 33, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. And whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father. He said, you do your part, and I'll go the extra step. Because you're not saved by what you can do. You're saved by having faith in Christ, and he'll take care of the rest for us. Therefore, the yoke of Christ frees us to fulfill his will. While the yoke of the law enslaves us, we, don't, we always come up short. We always fall back into sin. But the grace says, liberty says, I know your heart. I know your intention. I know your will to do the right thing. Therefore, you're not saved by, by just how many times you go to church a year. You're saved by how you, how you trust in the word of God, that is, he will save us from the guilt of our sins. We have been made free because Jesus died on a tree, which through his death we are introduced and inspired to be delivered to a life of grace, 
according to Galatians 3.13. Because of grace, we do not have to. Uh, we do not have to go back to feeling guilty. Because of grace, we do not have to go back to a hurtful past because we know we have a hopeful future. Because of grace, we do not have to go back to inflicting and injurious thoughts of what, I, of what we could have been if we have not done what we did. Because the scripture says, I am what I am because of the grace of God. We do, not have to go, we do not have to go back to some people that complain about their Christian life, criticize their Christian life, cause confusion in other people's Christian life, and condemn other Christians for finding grace to keep loving who they don't love, uh, who don't love them, living in fellowship with those who they will not, that will not fellowship with them, and let, and let bygones be, be God bygones because we are, we are set to let the Spirit of the Lord rise among us. Let me say it this way. God's word never changes. If he said in his word that the church is the bride of Christ, if he said in his word that the church is the body of Christ, if he said in his word that he's coming back to receive the church, receive his bride, then and that, that he only has one gospel, one faith to obey that gospel, and one church for folk to get in to be saved, and to live forever, then why do we have what we have today? It is not because that's the American way. It's because it's Satan's way. According to Second Corinthians chapter 11, Satan, as he confused Eve, is trying to do the same with, to everybody else by taking the simplicity of the gospel and making it difficult for people to believe. The simplicity of the gospel of Noah's message was get in the ark. Uh, the simplicity of, Noah, of uh, Moses' gospel was to put blood over the doorpost. Now, if getting to the ark could save people and the doorpost, blood over the doorpost would save people and bring them out of bondage, then being in the gospel of Jesus Christ will also save us today. If we are sure that the life that Jesus has given us through the gospel is better for us and we do not want to find ourselves looking back at something that does not bring the hope bring us hope and peace, then what we must do is do is pray to God that he will give us the wisdom that is, that is needed for us to hold on to Jesus so that we can remain steadfast and keep pressing on in Jesus so that we will remain focused in our faith or in the faith of God. Therefore, we conclude tonight to say that Jesus' way is better. He has given us a better covenant. He has given us a better rest. He has given us better promises. He has given us a better salvation. He has given us a better mediator. All this is throughout Hebrews, and sometimes I believe we just need to talk about the betterism in Jesus compared to man-made religion, compared to the law, because only through Jesus can a man be saved. God bless you, and may he bless you real well. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you be with those who have heard this message, that they compare your word and contrast your word to the law. Compare your word to anything that man has made so that they can come say, men and brethren, what shall we do? We pray that this message, it will challenge people to understand that they don't need to go back to a religion that they cannot find in the Bible, but trust your word to lead them on to a better hope, which is in, which is in the church, and a better life, which is in heaven. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Bless us and keep us until we meet again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. I'd like to apologize again for that delay. Uh, this is a live show, so sometimes things happen that are beyond our control. So we just try to make the best of a bad situation. And our uh, speakers came through on this evening's broadcast. All of our speakers did an outstanding job. I certainly appreciate their efforts. I don't take any of this for granted, so I want to thank them for their efforts on the show tonight. I want to thank you for tuning into this radio broadcast, and we certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show on Blog Talk Radio. I hope you're able to find that Blog Talk Radio website. It makes uh, listening to these shows a whole lot easier for you. They're right there on the website. You'll find them on the first few pages of the website, pages one through four. That's where they have consistently been for the last few months. I I didn't even know about the website. <laughs> I was never focused on the website. I was always giving out the telephone number to the show or posting a link to the show on social media. And one of my friends hit me up one night when I was on the air and told me, hey, man, I found your show on the website. I'm like, what website? And he told me, Blog Talk Radio. See, Blog Talk Radio is my parent company, but I never knew that they had a website because I wasn't really focusing on that uh, aspect of this radio program. But since I've been looking at the website and I've seen uh, how many shows that are actually live on that website and I see where our show is on the website, I am just so thankful that they are putting these shows on the first few pages of the website. And it's over seventeen to 1,800 shows, ladies and gentlemen. That is a lot of shows uh, to be trying to browse through, trying to find my show. But my shows are on the first few pages of the website. Isn't that a blessing? So I am just so grateful uh, for Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our prayer that the lessons, the things that you have heard on this broadcast tonight have been beneficial to your spiritual lives. And that your relationship with the Lord is very strengthened because you're not only tuning in to this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler, and I want to say on behalf of all of our co-hosts for the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
Holy Spirit, make 